Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written published article, Who Was at the Helm? 
from 1965. It's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage Show from 32494, the earliest show in the archive, 32494. My interview with Donald Trump from 110-2011. 110-2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump. Much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar, and you get a better buzz with, with the Savage Premium. So go to, go to glow.fm slash savagepremium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. Our welcome to the Michael Savage Podcast. You know, we were about to go to press, so to speak, with this podcast when I would say one of the most insane, shocking stories of my entire career in radio crossed my desk from one of my producers. Now, today's show is entitled When the Chrome Was Thick and the Women Were Straight, plus a North Korean defector's warning to America. We're taking a break from the caustic news of the day, I thought, and I try to lighten up the mood with some classic savage moments. In fact, we found a moment from the savage archives uh, that you've all come to love, which is when the chrome was thick and the women were straight. You'll hear that one. And then you're going to hear a, uh, I think, rather uh, hilarious and rousing response of mine or responses to a liberal caller of yesteryear as I deliver a riveting diatribe against the radical left. And after that, we're going to hear from the North Korean defector and human rights advocate, the great Yeonmi Park. She's sounding the alarm on the culture wars, identity politics, and authoritarian tendencies from the left tearing this nation apart. Here's a woman who escaped North Korea. She wound up in China, was turned into a sex slave at age 14. She eventually found liberty and freedom in America. And as she got older, she enrolled at Columbia University, and she was shocked to find out what's going on in this country. She said the nation's becoming like the brutal regime that she risked her life to escape in North Korea. When she spoke out about the mass political indoctrination at Columbia University and in the United States, she was attacked with death threats, if you can believe it. You're not going to believe this story. She said that 97% of the students at Columbia University are brainwashed like the North Koreans. And she tries to warn us about the mob tactics and authoritarian tendencies that speak in the name of so-called wokeness and social justice. She said they're all dictators in the making. We all know this. But she has a hopeful message at the end of what can save us. So as I was getting ready to put all of this together for you today, a story came to me that was actually more shocking than any of the others I've seen in, in many a year. And I have to include it right now. I said, is this a parody? This can't be a parody, but it is a parody. You're not going to believe this. And that is this one. Look at the story here. I cannot believe it. I put it up on michaelsavage.com. I have to get to the top of the page to get the story for you. But here we go. It's right here. Bear with me, please. You know, this is still a little spontaneous in a way. UK's counterterrorism program says interest in great literature is a sign of far-right extremism. I said, what? Are you joking? A counterterrorism unit in England says that the greatest threat to England is great literature written by Orwell, written by Huxley, 
written by Tolkien and Shakespeare? Yes, I said this can't be true. Well, as it turns out, the left-wing gangs, the multi-culty gangs with their gay and lesbian shock troops in the UK government have declared war on Western civilization in the most naked way I could ever believe possible. I'm not inventing any of this. UK's counterterrorism program says interest in great literature is a sign of far right extremism. Now you say, how could this be? Is this a parody? Is this a joke? Well, unfortunately for you and unfortunately for your children, it is not a joke. It's outright nightmarish. And this is on the same day that Biden flies to Ukraine and vows another half a billion dollars to Ukraine to fight Russia. It's hard to believe that there is no talk of peace from this doofus moron, troublemaking gangster in the White House. He told little Zelensky that Kiev has full and open-ended U.S. support. Open-ended U.S. support while we're bankrupt? At the same time that the Pentagon is working on diversity, equity, and inclusion? What kind of nation have we become? Well, do I have to spell it out to you? I don't think I have to spell it out to you. You know what the nation has become. It has melted down in the two years that this moronic criminal has been in the White House. I don't have any other words for it. He's a moronic criminal. And they put scripts in front of him, and he reads them. And now they fly the schmuck to Ukraine. And he says that, oh, you have an open-ended U.S. support. And the Ukraine says this will end with our tanks in Moscow and your nation in ruin. My friends, we're living in the maddest times imaginable, but they're only going to get worse before they get better. That I can tell you for sure. Biden in Kiev. Ukraine vows our tanks will take Red Square. No talk of peace. No talk of conciliation. No talk of ending this madness. None. It's unbelievable to me. At the same time, I have to go back to the story that shocked me today because Karen found it and put it on michaelsavage.com. UK's counterterrorism program says interest in great literature is a sign of far-right extremism. And that would include Huxley, Orwell, the complete works of William Shakespeare, even uh, comedies like The Thick of It, and Yes, Minister in England, The Lord of the Rings by J.R. Tolkien, George Orwell's 1984, Joseph Conrad's The Secret Agent, all considered signs of far-right extremism. How is this possible? According to someone who spoke out against this, a broadcaster and historian, he said the books that were flagged by the left-wing government in England are on the, quote, the reading list of anyone who wants a civilized, liberal, cultured education. Ladies and gentlemen, I invite you to join the Savage Exclusive Club of Sanity. And now let's settle back and get ready for today's podcast, which has already begun, which is called when the chrome was thick and the women were straight. And now we're going to hear from a North Korean defector's warning to America. All this and more on the one and only Michael Savage podcast. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Just please take a seat in the uh, big tent called the Savage Nation. 
join the big, big tent that's getting bigger by the day and uh, understand why. Why you know and I know being a dissenter in America is a badge of honor. Why one day you two will be proud to say, I dissent from this charlatan. I dissent from this disaster called Obama. I will not be hypnotized by the deluded fools in America. No, the coming crisis cannot be solved by swooning. The coming crisis cannot be solved by sentimental swooning. The coming crisis cannot be solved by worshipping Obama as though he is a celebrity. No. No, my friends, the politicians are the last people on earth we should be looking to to save us. In fact, most of them should be in prison, and those who we have any faith in at all should be, give a, should be given a very, very, very probationary opportunity in which to prove themselves, but certainly they should not be worshipped. Nevertheless, the public hysteria as, is at an all-time high. The deluded Americans are still running around with Obama signs and impeach Bush. They still think that a politician can save them from themselves. So if you care to co uh, converse uh, on this or any other topic, uh, you know the number to call. And we have the uh, we have the Obama in the press room. Somebody asked Obama about the man he appointed to be defense secretary as being a lobbyist. And Obama gets very, very stiff and rigid and stares at the reporter. Listen to clip seven. Oh, Hello. How do you reconcile, Mr. Lynn? Oh, see, see hold on a second, guys. Come, I came down Mr. here to visit. I came down here to visit. I didn't come down yeah, here. Very to... strict lobbying rules, then, Mr. Lynn was a lobbyist, sir. Right, Don't worry, guys. We'll. Okay. Uh, see, we'll this, this, this is what happens. If, if, I can't. I can't end up visiting you guys and, and you just shake hands if I'm going to get yeah. grilled every time I come well, down. Grilled is a good question, sir. I guess John didn't like my answer, Mr. President. Excuse me. Did you watch his briefing, Mr. President? Uh, we, we will be having a press conference at which time you can feel free to answer questions. Right now, I just wanted to say hello and, and, and introduce myself to you guys. That's all I was trying to do. In other words, he was trying to BS him and schmooze him, and one of them actually acted like a journalist and said, how do you reconcile hiring a lobbyist to be defense secretary? And Obama says, hey, I just came down here to BS you. How dare you ask me a question? And then he gets hokey and homey with clip five. Let's hear that one. Have you had a workout yet, sir? You know, I have. Where? Uh, I've got my little, it turns out I've got a little gym up, up here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's on the third floor. All right. He works out. He's a good-looking guy. Great. I'm glad. God, worship him. We just worship him. The emperor has no clothes, of course, of course, and it will all end in tears. But, God, you keep worshiping, and don't say I didn't warn you. That's all. Uh, if you'd like to comment on this, please don't bother, because I'm not going to take your call supporting Obama or attacking Obama. That's not the issue. The issue is whether or not you have the uh, uh, the sense to understand politicians who got us in this mess are not going to get us out of it. How can you believe a political a political party is going to save you? Are you people that crazy? It was the Democrats and the Republicans who bankrupted America. But, okay, you still think it's a two-party system. This party's bad, that party's good. That party's good, that party's bad. You know, Obama speaks Indonesian at State Department? Oh, come on. Let me let me hear clip 12 and then clip 13. But first, there was a remarkable and unusual moment today during the president's visit to the State Department. Today, someone yelled from the crowd, hello, in a foreign language. And Obama spoke back in the Indonesian language. Take a listen. Yeah, well, he said it was Abakaba. That's all. I think he was ordering some dinner or something. I think I ordered Abakaba. I haven't been to a rice table restaurant in years. I went in once. It was horrible.
Most of those restaurants where they made you take your shoes off, the, the rug stank. Who would take your shoes off in a restaurant? What an uncivilized custom. I know a lot of the white liberals thought it was civil. Oh, you go in and you sit with your legs crossed till the circulation stops and you can wind up uh, almost dying of that disease from long plane flights in the Indonesian restaurant. But the idea of sitting with your, 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 your shoes off, your feet stink. Who wants to sit around a person with their socks looking you in the eye? What an uncivilized custom, my God. Oh, because it was a not American custom. It was automatically, it was better than us. Get out of here, you idiots. You sit with your shoes, your shoes off. Go smell someone's dirty feet. So he said, akabab, akabab, big deal. Probably ordering something from the rice table from Indonesia. Every, you can't make everything into something bigger than it was. He spoke a little Indonesian, big deal. So he lived there, went to a madrasas and studied the Quran. So what? So what? What does it matter to you? What would it matter to you if he, he woke up one day and he said that the official language will be uh, Saudi Arabian Arabian? What's the difference? It's one world. What's the difference if you wake up and he says all white male workers now have to report to re-education camps to make up for the past? So what? He means well. He's a nice guy. I mean, Robert Reich, the uh, distorted little man, said that he doesn't want the money to go to people who are white male construction workers. Or professionals. So what? What's the difference? What is the difference if Larry King, the lowest of the low, a gutter rat would be something to look up to for, for Larry King? Did you hear Larry King what he had the nerve to say yesterday? Do you understand how demented the media is in the form of a Larry King? <laughs> Listen to clip 22. Bob, my younger, in that regard, my younger son, Cannon, he is eight. And he now says that he, he would like to be black. <laughs> I'm not kidding. There's a lot of advantages to being black as in. Why are they laughing? Does anyone understand how what this is? Now I want to ask you folks if you're black and your son wakes up and he says he'd like to be white. What would you say to him? Let's just put this aside. Well, let's say you're Asian. I did this yesterday. You didn't get it. You're Asian. You wake up and your son is eight years old. He says, "Dad, I would wish I were a white man." What would you say to him? There's a lot of advantages to it. <laughs> I mean, what would you say to your, to your son? Would you say to him, I mean, this, you know, I think I'm going to have to write a book on how to raise a child. Maybe I'm, you know, as an elder, as a societal elder, I, I should have some knowledge. You don't have to get mad at your son if he says a thing like that. It shows that you didn't do your job. It shows you failed him as a father. But Larry King doesn't understand uh, that he failed a child because he doesn't understand he failed as a journalist. He failed as a human being. So how could he understand he failed his child, in my opinion? ha, ha, ha. So what are you going to do? I got such horrible calls up there. I don't know what to do. It's like looking to take any of them right now. I feel like I'd rather have, uh, I'd rather have dental work than take any call. Uh, now they're attacking Biden already. Now they're attacking Biden. You know why. I know what's coming. I see the whole picture with Hillary on the horizon. I know already what they're lining up. She didn't win, but there's a way in, uh, you know, directly. There's the way direct and indirect. That's all. So Biden's already being given the... A little, a little walking message soon. Something tells me Biden's going to have a little medical problem shortly, and uh, there's going to be a shifting of the, of the puppet, uh, the puppets on the stage. Something tells me, and so, whoa, wow, you went from Secretary of State to Vice President. How that? Well, we modified the Constitution a little bit, but we did so in the interest of America, and special times require special modifications. So don't worry about it, and take a walk and dummy up, and that's it. And she's now Vice President. That's all. And then I hope he doesn't fly in any small planes to uh, Hyannisport over the weekend. That's all I could say. Ooh. 
I just hope he doesn't take up flying and go to Hyannisport over the week. I still have a weird feeling about that. You know, that, that plane crash, I never... I It was, you know, that you don't even understand the New York seat, which they just appointed to the woman with the, like, like Sarah Palin from upstate New York, the Democrat, the NRA woman. Thank God it wasn't the unqualified candidate. Whoa, my God. Thank God uh, Patterson had a bigger vision than they thought. You know, they're the ones who were temporarily partially blind, not him. This guy can see pretty well. Patterson picked the woman, so she's a conservative Democrat. He knows what he's doing. His advisors are smart. He did the right thing. But uh, that seat was originally Moynihan's seat. Those of you who don't remember who he was, he was the he was the intellectual sort of like an intellectual uh, of the liberals. You know, he said things with two or three syllables sometimes, and therefore that qualified him as the equivalent of uh, Freud, Wagner, and 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 Karl Marx put together. But because he strung together more than two syllable words, he was the intellectual. He wrote a paper once in a while. And he was a liberal, and that seat was always known as the New York Senator's, the liberal seat. Then it was supposed to be Kennedy's seat, Kennedy the male. Good-looking guy, should have been the senator. And they knew he would have been president. If he had become senator, the, the young Kennedy was killed in that unfortunate plane crash. He would have been president by now. No question about it. You look back on history. I'm giving you a thumbnail of what went on here. Now, some would say the plane uh, crashed on its own accord. He flew it upside down in the dark or whatever. I'm not so sure, that's all. There were an awful lot of airplane crashes over the years that uh, later proved out to be mysterious, like black and blue marks that appear on your arm in the middle of the night. You know what I'm saying? New York City, W-O-R. Janet, go ahead, please. Hi, how you doing? Hello? Yeah, I don't answer those questions. You don't know me. I don't know you. We're not friends. What's on your mind? You're rude. That's right. I am rude. What else is on your mind? What's the matter? Uh, Obama got your tongue? No, null and void already, because I didn't kiss her behind already. She was stunned. I saw what she was going to do already. I saw what it said on the screen. Obama is doing what he promised. But the minute I didn't lick her uh, her boots already, she, she was stunned. She thought I'd get on my hands and knees and go, Oh, please tell me what you think. I'm not a white liberal. Don't confuse me with the with the with the people you grew up with in New York who kiss you behind because you give them an eye. I'm not going to take this crap from you anymore. Any of you liberal communist bums, I know what you're doing. I have studied communism. I have studied it inside and out, and I know how you work. You're all criminal, and there's no right wing to stand up to you. The peaceful Tea Party country back from you left wing vermin. What we need is a right-wing movement in this country, not a Tea Party. What we need is a vigorous right-wing movement in America, not a Tea Party. And you need to face off against those scum on the left. And then you'll have a nation. I've studied this inside and out. And I know what Marxist-Leninism Marxist-Leninism is. I know what it is inside and out. And I know how you left-wing vermin work. And you got your man in the White House, don't you? And you own the press, don't you? Well, you don't own me. You don't own Michael Savage. And you never will, damn all of you. You'll never own me. If I'm the last man standing in the media, so be it. I don't care what you say about me. I know what America was. I know what America could be. I know that you stinkers have ruined it. You have ruined it from top to bottom. 
with your outcome-based education, you've destroyed the universities. Take a look at what you did to our educational system. Take a look at what everything you touch you destroy. And I'm just getting warmed up on this Blue Monday. Go ahead, take me on. Call me up. See if you can beat me into submission. Tell me you're going to boycott me. I don't give a damn. I don't care if I'm the last man standing on the right in the media. So be it. The buck stops here. You left-wing vermin have destroyed every institution in this country from top to bottom. There is no justice in the Justice Department. There is no education in the Education Department. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Now that we've all had a good chuckle, we have to move to a serious and chilling topic. I had the privilege of speaking with the North Korean defector and best-selling author, Yuonmi Park, who is warning about how the culture wars, identity politics, and authoritarian tendencies are similar to those she left in the North Korean regime. She has an unbelievable story to tell of how she left North Korea, was sold into sex slavery in China, escaped that, came to the United States, and what she learned at Columbia University from the students there shocked her. And so she decided to stand up and save America the best she could and fight to preserve her freedom. It's an all-around great podcast. Share it with 10 others. Thanks for listening. Hi, Ms. Park. Hello. Pleasure, a pleasure to meet such a great person as yourself. Oh, thank you so much for uh, having me on. I'm an, it's an honor. Doug Lynn has worked with me for 17 years. Doug wanted to have a few moments to speak with you. Doug, please. Oh. Hi. I just wanted to say I completely respect you and everything you've gone through. Um, my mom went from Pyongyang to uh, Seoul uh, during, you know, right during the Korean War and watched her entire family get executed in front of her. And so she went over the mountain during the, the wintertime. Wow. So I just, I just wanted to say thank you. And I'd like to think that, you know, you'd be, she'd be more like you if she was born in this age. Then. Thank, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you for speaking out. Oh, thank you so much. So, Ms. Park, your book, While Time Remains, is so well stated. And I don't know where to begin. Of course, I do know where to begin. And I found a chapter head that says it all. One of your chapter heads is entitled, What's Yours is Mine. That seems to be what's going on in America today with this nonsense called equity, which mm -hmm. is identical, isn't it? Absolutely. It's a... It's it's interesting. What is mine is mine. What is yours is mine. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you went to you. You came here after a horrible, harrowing life. You were a sex slave in China. Is that true? Yeah. H how old were you when they did this to you? I was 13 years old. I don't want to dwell on this part, part of your life, but I think it cauterized you in a way that none of us can understand. Who put you into the slavery? China's Communist Party. Oh, you mean once you escaped to China from North yeah. Korea, they said mm -hmm. now they use you for that? So they have this policy called, it's a long history, you know, they had a one-child policy. 
and most people aborting girls and keeping boys because they could only have one. But there are massive, more than 33 million men in China cannot find wives and partner. So when we escaped to China, even the United Nations and Geneva Convention says that we are political refugees, that China has a responsibility to help us to find refugees, but they catch us and they send us back to North Korea to die. Oh, my God. And therefore, we are very vulnerable. So there are human traffickers who do catch us and set us like livestock. And, and of course, the regime knows about it and so much corruption within the Communist Party to even officials themselves buy these girls for their sex slave. You know, what most interests me about your background is how you got into Colombia Mm. And you go there, you're thinking that you're in a citadel of freedom and learning. And what did you discover? It was the exact same thing that I saw in North Korea. Exact indoctrination. Even the message is what they were saying, you know. In North Korea, my school teachers told me how all the problems in the world exist because of capitalism, because of the Western civilization. And I come to America in the in my Columbia classroom, my professors will exactly say the same thing. In all which the problem, in, in which class where were they saying that? It was all humanity or science, even including science, biology. Yes. Even that they would say that they've so, infected every they've infected every aspect of learning, including the medical schools now. Exactly. And yeah. I ask people. What are you going to do the day you get on an airplane and they put a pilot in the pilot seat who never learned how to fly, but it's equity, it's equitable. Who's going to fly our airplanes with this stupidity? And of course, people can't answer it because they don't think they only repeat what they have learned. Isn't that what you are basically saying? I mean, where are we going? How do we stop it is the real question. Can this be stopped? Is it reversible? Yeah, I think it's still America has a chance to go back. I don't think that we have that much time left, honestly. I think that's why I named my book Why Time Remains. Uh, I think we still do that because we need to bring the critical thinking back to this country and bring the real actual education. I have a son who is almost five years old and sending him to school. And his teachers are telling me, how they are doing fantastic job teaching my son about equity. Oh, they think the they're most, appealing to you because you're Asian. Yeah. So they're, yes. pe- they're, they're, they're pandering to you. And what do you say to them? And I was like, I mean, of course, I don't want him to get kicked out of school. So <laughs> <laughs> I is, just, is, I, he a, is he in a private school? No, he's in a still pre-K. And uh, this fall, he's going to school. So we're still deciding. It's sickening. So they uh, they they see you as an Asian woman mm-hmm. and they say, oh, we're so happy to have your son in our class because we're teaching him equity. So he's comfortable here. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think he needs that in order to get ahead in this country since Asians do so well. And I'm not trying to be stereotypical. Uh, I'm a minority in that I'm an immigrant son from with Jewish people. Mm. No one gave no one reached out to get, teach me equity. I had to fight for everything I ever earned. Right. I worked since I'm five years old, certainly didn't suffer the way you did. But I found that if you want to get ahead in America, go ahead. If you're good, yeah. you'll get there. Mm-hmm. You'll get, Be you'll get yeah, no, just do it. Just work. Mm-hmm. 
If you have the brains. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. So you've been critical of the notion of white privilege, race politics, and other divisive policies stating that's how the regime divided people. What an individual does doesn't matter. It's all about your ancestors and the collective. Wow. Why is it so dangerous to use these race and class tactics, in your opinion? So I think that's what is so, I mean, threatening about when the society started judging people not based on their character. So what the individuals do. When I was born in North Korea, apparently my great grandfather had a tiny land in front of his house. So they marked him as a landowner. Oh. Therefore, he was an oppressor. Oh, my God. So when I was born, I never even met him, right? He passed away a long time ago. I don't even know his name. I had the <laughs> oppressor blood. My blood was Stop. I'm laughing out of anxiety and, and rage. Yeah. You, had, you had oppressive blood in you because your grandfather owned a tiny vegetable plot? My great-grandfather. Oh, I'm sorry, your great-grandfather who you never met. Okay. I've never met him. So, so you, you had blood libel in the communist North Korea. Yeah. And then now I come to America. They, so my son, who is half white and half Asian, they say, uh, my son is privileged. He has, should have a white gift. And it's like, his mother was an actual slave. You know, he's like, and then his father's side also white, but then like you, they were fleeing Ireland. They were working class people. They never owned a slave. But because of his skin color is white, then now he has oppressor blood. That is forever tainted. No matter what he does, he can never uh, get a fair compassion and justice. You mean here, think, here in America? Yeah, because I remember I was just like two years ago. I was being robbed in Chicago with my son by several black women during the BLM protest in the summer of Chicago. And then when I got robbed, the people on the street, while I was trying to call the police on these women who was punching me and taking my wallet out of me. They would literally tell me that I'm a racist. You mean that was the justification for beating you up? For, you know, you're, you're touching on a very important point, which is the hatred of the African-American or black people in America today. I grew up with black people. I never saw anything like it is today. Mm -hmm. Something has been unleashed in this country to use the inherent black rage for a political reason. And I know it's coming from the cultural Marxists who are not black themselves. No. These, these are diehard white racists, yeah. who, in my opinion, who are using black rage as a weapon. Yeah. And I think you agree with that, right? Absolutely. I mean, these people, though, thieves were unfortunately black and anybody can be a thief and rapist. I was raped by Chinese, I mean, communists, right? So it's nothing to do with the race. But the people who were circling me around in the on the street were the white people, actually, white women and men. They were, were circling you in the street, calling you a racist while the blacks were beating you up. Yeah. And taking my water away. And running Where, away wait, this is in Chicago. Yeah, it was in the summer of Chicago during the BLM protest in the middle of Michigan Avenue. That is like Fifth Avenue of Manhattan. That kind of center street. And what kind of white people were these students or older people? No, I remember one thing I clearly remember was like, it was near the bus stop. There's a mom 
uh, I think maybe I don't know they were tourists or something. Would telling her children like look at that you know that actual racism exists, what the black people are going through, using me as an example. You mean while they were beating you up, they were telling their children to watch racism in action? No. So these ladies beat me up, and then they were trying to run away. And then I was trying to call the police and yelling for help. And that's when they said, "Look at that! That's like what black people are facing. Is a discrimination." <laughs> oh, because of <laughs> calling the police. I get it. Yeah, calling oh, the police on that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, those poor innocent, poor innocent victims. Yeah. Uh, it's you know, there's an article I posted on my website today of a very large young African American girl on a school bus choking out a little white boy. Who was about half her weight, choking him on the bus, and I say, how did she get this hatred in her head? Yeah, it doesn't come out of the air. It doesn't arrive by spontaneous combustion. Mm-hmm. This is being proliferated, in my opinion, by the Biden administration. I'll lay the blame right where it belongs because every speech mm-hmm. from every administration, including the idiot who runs the transportation department, while a train derails with toxic. Waste going into the creeks. He's talking about equity and transportation or, or ecological fash, ecological racism. I've never seen anything like this. It's an infection, a mental illness. Yeah, it is. It's a, it a, it's a madness. It's, it's a. <laughs> Wait, I, I'm going to show you something. I printed this up 20 years ago. I think this summarizes. It <laughs> I completely agree with you. It's. <laughs> but it's. It, to me, it's like it's not a laughing matter. They don't know what, how serious this is. Like when we keep going with this ideology and not knowing how good we have here, how precious this freedom is, we can literally become like North Korea. The only difference between South Korea and North Korea had is a different system. One was freedom, one was a socialism. And look what we become of us. It's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. So when I put this up, watch the results of the anti-white hatred being jammed down our throats by the Biden media complex today on Twitter. You know, you get stupid people and some smart people. And someone wrote something that I think is smart. I want to run it by you Mm -hmm. of this young, large African-American girl choking out a little white boy. I can't find it, but it was something along the lines is that if the left. Turns a blind eye to killing the unborn. And now is talking about euthanizing the elderly, which they're doing, by the way. They're talking about euthanizing the elderly in America. Yes, because they're using up too many resources. Uh, How fa- no, I know it's shocking to you because you've lived through this. The Holocaust. Uh, how do you stop this ideology? I think there is a, such an anti-human sentiment by the left. They say that humans are diseased that we are the disease for the mother earth, that we are the problem. And especially the white men are the problem. And this is the exact message of what my four years of Columbia education taught me. That's what they were forcing me to believe. And this is the same idea in North Korea. They have no respect for human life. They only believe in collectivism. Individuals don't matter. And what the constitution said that human, we are made in the image of God. We have the rights that nobody can take away from us. That's why America was so great and it was a beacon of hope. But now, these leftists want to tear down the Constitution. 
They want to dismantle the system. Yeah, they're calling the Constitution white, uh, an example of white privilege. Yeah. Christianity, white privilege. Mm-hmm. Even though it was from the Middle East, <laughs> it was. They have no understanding of history. They just keep switching the history, like North Korea does. It's like North Korea does. Home of borders, language, culture, the Savage Nation. You state in your book, while time remains, uh, that the global elite illustrate the same sort of insanity at events you've gone to, such as campfire and the Met Gala. What exactly did you see that alarmed you at the Met Gala? So the Met Gala is the biggest, I guess, Hollywood or the mainstream event of the all the celebrities, you know, Selena Gomez, The Weeknd, I mean, Hugh Jackman, anybody you can imagine or going every year to raise money for the Metropolitan Museum. And in this event, I was hoping to wake up these people because they were saying in public to people, silence is violence, that slavery is wrong, discrimination is wrong. So I would go up to those people begging them. There are 300,000 North Korean women in China right now are modern day slaves. My mother was for $65. I was sold for just above $200 as a 13-year-old child. And we can stop this. Like, can you use your platform to speak up for, for actual slavery? That you, you, you were saying that to them? Yeah. Were you there as an invited speaker? I was there invited as guest. Guest. So who and did then, you say this to, individuals or a speech? I, I cannot name them because they told me to not to name them. Of course. And I was on a table with the oh. owners of the biggest tech companies in America. They are billionaires. They are the biggest celebrities in, in, in the, and I mean, in, on earth right now. You were the token, you were the token Asian at the table. And they thought you would probably be compliant with their political correctness, so to speak. Yeah, they were asking me, my previous agent, uh, who I wrote my first book with, they were asking me, why do I not write about how horrible America is to <sighs> treating black men, like oh. bring them North Korean concentration camps, or like talk about how hard it is to be a woman in the age where men wars, where toxic masculinity, like ruining everything. And this is at a table with the top tech titans of America, of the world? And the media. And and the entertainment industry. How in the world can they be this blind to digging their own graves? Because they are all making money out of this uh, CCP. They 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 have to distribute their movie to China. And when last year Uh when they were trying to make my first book out of movie, I got a script from producer. And in the script it says, when I went to China, that China was my promised land. They protect me, they give me redfish, <laughs> they help me. So I asked the producer, like, what are you talking about? This is not what happened. And he said, this is the only way we can make a movie about North Korean story oh my in God. the current Hollywood. Oh, my yeah. God. Hollywood it's, is like... So it's, for, it's worse than even I, who I've been studying this virtually since I'm 17 years old, and I'm not 17 anymore. <laughs> I've studied communism since college. And I entered college at 16. I became fascinated by dictatorships. And I've watched what's going on in this country. I've tried to stop the insanity. Of course, I haven't succeeded in any way. It's gotten much worse. You write this great book while time remains. I saw your first book. And again, I have to ask you, Mm -hmm. 
although we are on the, this trajectory that we both fear, do you think it can be derailed in this nation? Yeah, I think we still have hope because we, we have guns. We still have the right. So it's to still a Second ourselves. Amendment. It's the Second Amendment, yeah. isn't it? That's the I one mean, thing. That's the one thing. Absolutely. That's what I think, because in other words, Hitler seized in, in when he first came to power. The first thing he did was seize guns. Mm-hmm. I have I have a, I have to show you something which will resonate with you. I keep this on my desk. Please bear with me. It is right here. Yes. It is right here. I keep this as a reminder on my desk because you of all people will go- comprehend since we're talking about guns immediately. Yeah. It's a checkpoint in Phnom Penh after the, uh, commu- the revolution in Cambodia. Uh-huh. And these 14-year-old Khmer Rouge are gathering the guns from the civilians. Yeah. Okay. Dis- disarming a city after the fall of Phnom Penh. Khmer Rouge soldiers stationed at a crossroad collect and pile up guns of the city's residents. Yeah. We, we know what happened next. The killing fields. Yeah. They be, that's how you become slave to the, to the regime. Ooh. Yeah. None of this could happen to Northern people if we had a gun. None of this could happen to Chinese people if they had guns. Or even Hong Kongers a few years ago when CCP was taking them over. 75% of people were on the street marching, demanding freedom. They couldn't get it because they didn't have the right to protect themselves. And now I see that every opportunity Biden get the Liberal Party get, they attack on the Second Amendment. I'm like, this is the most important rights that individuals should have and must have to protect their liberty and protect their livelihood. Well, already they've attacked the First Amendment, obviously, through social media. We saw what happened with Twitter. They had Mm -hmm. almost decimated the First Amendment on social media. The universities already are closed down first amendment gone newspapers gone even book publishing i'm shocked you were able to get your book published incidentally after what i've seen i've had seven eight new york times best-selling books from the biggest publishers in new york i'm unpublishable right now they won't touch anything by me i'm i'm banned in britain i'm not allowed to enter britain few people know that this happened in 1999 they made stuff up about what i said and they prohibited me from traveling to britain because I was a threat to the public order in England. There was no out. There was oh, no out. No outcry in America. None, even in 1999. So it's it's gotten worse. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned the Second Amendment because, as I say, they've taken away the First Amendment. You could argue yeah. that the Fourth Amendment, the freedom of assembly, if I'm not mistaken, was violated mm-hmm. on January 6th. Of course, the people who broke down the doors should have been arrested, but those mm-hmm. who simply assembled to protest the Biden uh, ascension to power for whatever reason, even if they were mm-hmm. wrong, they had a right to assemble to protest. Mm-hmm. The, so that Fourth Amendment right was violated. Yeah. So the number one amendment that you worry about is the Second Amendment. And yeah. virtually every speech that a liberal gives is about how evil guns are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's biggest equalizer. It's uh, I don't think if we lose that right. I think we are no longer free citizens. That makes us free. I hear you. And, you know, people don't know this as uh, I've studied the Holocaust many times, fearing it could happen here. And people don't know there's a great story about the Belsky brothers. They were just three guys who lived in a village in Poland before the Nazis took over. 
And then um, they escaped into the woods. They became basically guerrilla fighters to save their lives. Mm-hmm. The first thing they did was break into a farmhouse and steal guns from a farmer. And it was only that they got the guns from a farmer that they were able to kill the Nazis by ambushing them, take their guns. And eventually the story is told. They eventually emigrated to America. So there's a long story about guns are freedom, guns and yeah. freedom. Uh, boy, you know everything. I don't have to tell you what you already know. What worries me the most is how is how has an entire generation been brainwashed so thoroughly? You wrote in order to live a North Korean girl's journey to freedom. You then graduate Columbia. Do you still live in New York City? Do you still live in New York City? I do. I live in New York City right now. Now, here is a city that's very I grew up in New York City. I loved it when I lived there. I left a long time ago, but I open the New York Post every day. Every day I see it on the subway, pushing a beating, a robbery, a murder. And unfortunately, most of the crime is being committed by African-American males. We have an African-American mayor who is an ex-cop. Why has it gotten worse under him instead of better, in your opinion? I think... But that's it's a it's a beyond in some sense like any common sense. I don't. I think that's the thing. Like when you said, right, if the Christians gather that day, insurrection, that's a terrorist act. But when the BLM protesters, Antifa goes around and I mean, pillaging the towns, that's fine. That's a fighting for social justice. So, in some sense, like what happened to me, the woman who was robbing me, she had 15 different like charges on her. And no, then when they wait, put them she, prison, the one, they come, sorry, the woman who was robbing you had 15 different what? Charges. Charges against her? Yeah. And they never put her in jail, of course. And then she was in jail before, but they, they keep letting her out. Oh, 15 times before and they let her out. Okay. Yeah, no, no, no. She, I think, been to jail maybe four times or I don't know, maybe two, four times already. And then other. 50 other charges on her. So it's somehow like we are letting these criminals keep going out of prison and let them be with the civilians Then we get harmed. The law-abiding citizens get harmed and get killed and raped and stabbed on the street. Mm-hmm. So this is, there's no rule of law. Like I'm so sorry to say that, but even in North Korea police state, if you like rob somebody and rape somebody or like that, you get punished. There's actual rule of law, and there are many laws that are horrible in North Korea. But then, in America, there's like just currently in this big city, there's no rule of law. No rule of law. Yeah. You know, your book opens with a prayer. I love your dedication from your father. Yonmi mm-hmm. Ya, tigers leave behind the coat, and men leave behind the name. Make yours good and lasting. It could have been written by one of my ancestors who I never met, because I have always thought about my ancestors coming from a culture that respects history, respects learning, respects writing, respects books. Mm -hmm. We live in a time where there's no respect for anything other than themselves today. Now, narcissism, I think, is where we're at. I think that maybe has what brought us to the thing that you say in the opening to your book on October 4th, 1993. I was born in darkness. Well, the lights going out in America and I've asked you, can the lights stay on and i believe you said that yes the guns will keep us from becoming slaves michael savage a host like no other 
What would you think the listeners to this podcast? I, it's a silly question in a way what they can do. They can do nothing. Most of the people who are listening to me agree with me. The problem is not those listening to this podcast, but those not listening to this podcast. How can you reach them when every day they open a newspaper, every day they turn on a TV show and they're being told exactly what you are trying to tell America happened in North Korea and telling us it's a good thing to happen here? I think we need to pray. <laughs> that it's a, I know I, I never thought I was going to say this, but. I think there is good and evil in this world. And when North Korean regime, the first thing they did was banning Christianity. Ah, that's that's what it is. And when the nation does that, I don't know what happens. That nation loses truth and light forever. You mean when so, they ban? Then they ban religion. Whatever the God they believe in, I think you need to pray for miracle <laughs> and miracles mm. can happen. So I think that we have still a lot to do. We can write, we can elect the right politicians. Uh, we can uh, talk to our neighbors, our friends, our colleagues at workplace. Please do not be coward. If you believe that the U.S. Constitution is the right thing to defend, defend it. The corporate America and all these jobs now, they go look at your social media history and see if you you know, conservative or not. But hmm. I think it, Currently, if we speak against political correctness, what we are going to lose is a, just our jobs, our livelihoods, maybe our dignity. But when it comes to, if we become like North Korea, it's going to cost three generations of our, our family members' lives. So still the cost is very little when you stand up for freedom and truth. And this is the time to stand up for that. Oh, you know, you pay a price. I, as I yeah. say, I... I, I've been banned by Fox News. I've been banned by by a whole nation. Uh, so I, I'm used to it. I mean, it's the price of freedom is 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 losing something. I think people have to understand if you stand up at a school board meeting and people look at you and go, oh, go ahead. So what's the difference? Yeah. So what? They're afraid. You're the one who was not afraid. You know, they're saying by Nietzsche, he who fights with monsters might take care lest he thereby become a monster. And if you gaze for long into an abyss, the abyss gazes also into you. And, and this is the fear is that we look at the monster. And um, we can become a monster. But sometimes I think we have to become monsters to defeat the monster. I don't think we're going to defeat this monster by being nice. You know, the Israelis are a prime example of something. And I, I've said this to people. The Israelis learned to have a prayer book in one hand and an Uzi in the other. That's my saying. My, my grandmother gave me this when I was a young boy, little prayer book, mm. daily prayer book. I, I mean, I'm not a religious person, but I do count upon yes. the power of God. Mm -hmm. It's you'll appreciate written in a foreign language. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, it's also translated into English. And it's just simple prayers about the power, power of the, the individual we never met. We can't meet. Right. You know, where is this? individual so prayer book in one hand uzi in the other or we can use tibetan rings to clear yeah. the evil spirits mm -hmm. look you have lived through hell your book could have been called to hell and back which was a book that was written a long time ago by a war hero named audie murphy but i love your title 
while time remains. And in the time that remains, I want to read to the listeners the chapter heads. The fall of Lady Columbia, the illusion of safe space, hypocrisy of the elite on the road to ruin, values in decline, victimhood and oppression, systemic violence in the Windy City. What's yours is mine. The fragility of freedom, the terror of cancel culture, the People's Republic of Chains, real tyranny and real freedom. Freedom matters. Epilogue warriors of the light. Are there any final words, Ms. Park, for the audience listening to this podcast? I think what I want to tell people is that uh, do not lose hope and do not lose gratitude. It's a, it's very easy to become bitter and not be grateful, but I think all the good things in the world can come from from a place of gratitude. Gratitude and to gratitude to what? I think we still have we still have a country that has a hope. I don't want people to be so like lost hope and don't do anything. I think what's an alternative other than being hopeful, right? No matter how dark it gets, I think there's always a light and can fight for that. So even though it's it's a really weird time to be alive right now in this country, but I think we can bring that glory of America back to this country and where individuals can, you know, express their ideas without being afraid. And that country can come because we will fight now. And like you said, freedom has pride. Like I think it's our time to become the founders of this country. You know, how well, that's a great line. Our time to become the founders of this country. I have a family member who's very, very anguished over the future. And, and, and um, this family member says to me, only one third of Americans are willing to fight. I said, listen to me. When the British owned this country and we were a colony, it was only one third who wanted to fight. One third did not want to fight and one third didn't care one way or the other. It's the mm-hmm. same one third. It's always only one third that is willing to stand up and be counted. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I want to I want to say, you know, you are what make what made and what makes America great, which is. Which are immigrants such as yourself, new blood, fresh blood who have come from darkness, come to the light and can save us from the darkness that is trying to take away the remaining light. So. I am so honored that you are on the Michael Savage podcast today, and I wish you the best of luck with your book and uh, in raising your son in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Good luck with your book, Ms. Park. Thanks for being with us today. Bye now. I hope to see you in person. Next time you come out to San Francisco, do you ever come out to this hell hole? It's a beautiful city, by the way. Yeah, someday I will be there. <laughs> you know, it's got the largest Asian population in North America. And oh. uh, I used to love I mean, I still love going to Chinatown, but it has a very mm-hmm. it has a significant Korean population. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime I am. If ever you come west, remember me, I will absolutely yeah. love to be your host here. Thank you. Sir. Oh. I will definitely, you know, when I'm there. <laughs> OK, thank you very much. Good luck again. Bye now. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thanks for being with us. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll learn something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. 
You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.